Heavenly Father, we just come to you now. We're just so grateful that you call us sons and daughters. And you, that's made possible through Jesus. And it's what we're celebrating here in these last few moments of Advent here as Christmas is upon us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to our hearts this morning uh, as, as we contemplate the meaning of Christmas, the message of Christmas, and what, what it is that you want to say to us. So let us take it to heart, and let us be changed and be different when we walk out of here. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. Well, from the first Sunday of Advent all the way up until Epiphany, which is on January 6th, you know, um, a, a great amount of the world is celebrating and remembering and recognizing this event that changed the course of history. And yes, yes, Christmas was made possible because of the work of the Holy Spirit, but it was also made possible by the cooperation of a couple of individuals. You might know them by the name of Mary and Joseph. And I don't think about this very often, but when you, when you like think about the cultural context of the story, Mary would have been a young teenager when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. Maybe 13 even, it's possible. Uh, Joseph would have only been two, three, four years older than her. There's no way that he was older than 20 if we look at, at what... If we do the study of the culture during that time of when, you know, it was normal for, you know, young ladies and young men to be betrothed to one another and be engaged. It was very unusual for a guy to go beyond 20 before he was engaged. And so we got these two young, young people, basically teenagers. And I think, you know, sometimes when we think of teen parents or we think of teen mom, you know, thank you MTV for that show. Uh, there's not usually a positive connotation tied to those terms, you know. Usually it's kind of like a, uh, you know, we, we think about typically when we think about, you know, teen pregnancy, we think about poor choices, you know, boundaries that were crossed, that kind of stuff. But Mary and Joseph's case, there was no error in judgment. They're just going about their business, living life. And then all of a sudden, before they knew it, Jesus showed up or God showed up on the scene and said, you're going to. You're going to usher in the Messiah and be his earthly parents. That's a big deal. And we look at the scenario from a distance. We look at it and go, well, man, this looks like a big mistake. But if we look at it through the eyes of God, it was all by his design. In Matthew's and Luke's gospels, where we find the Christmas story, not the one about, you know, Ralphie and, you know, <laughs> and the official you know, uh, Red Rider carbine action, you know, 200 range long shot rifle, air rifle, whatever that is, you know. But the one, the real one, with, with the first one, with Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and, and Herod and, and all these moving parts here, the star. And we look at this story and we remember and we celebrate Jesus' birth here in just a couple of days. And I think as we're leading up to it here in these last couple of moments in Advent, there's a message that God wants to speak to us with a couple of important truths here. And the first message of truth is this, is that because of God's work, because of God's power at work in you and through you, God believes in you and he trusts you. I don't think that's a message that we hear very often. I think oftentimes we're, we're beaten over the head and we're bludgeoned and like, you need to do better. But 
But if we look at the story of Mary and Joseph and God coming down and the, and the, and the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary and another angel appearing to Joseph, there's this, this like God is trusting them with the Messiah. And understanding the culture in that time period, in that region of the world, I can't even imagine the amount of ridicule that Mary and Joseph must have gone under as she became pregnant before they were married. It was very taboo. Very taboo in that time period. Very taboo in that culture, in that area of the world, for a young woman to become pregnant before she was married. And, and the amount of ridicule that they must have suffered through that. And I'm sure that Mary probably defended herself to somebody at some point. Hey, it's, it's, I'm not pregnant with Joseph's child. It's the foretold Messiah that I'm carrying. You think that went over well in Nazareth? You think they were cool with that? What? You're crazy. And, and then what kind of fool does Joseph look like as he stays with Mary? He either looks like a liar, like, oh, I know what y'all been doing. Or he looks like a total just sucker for staying with her. Like, dude, she's running around cheating on you and you're still staying with her. I'm sure that's what people thought. That's what, that's what it looked like from the outside, not knowing the, the truth. And, and I'm sure that many people looked down on them. They had derogatory opinions about them. And you know what? Not a lot has changed in the world. A lot of people look down on us, God's people. A lot of people have derogatory thoughts and opinions about those who boldly pursue Jesus. A lot of people think that the church is irrelevant. But God sent his angels to Mary and Joseph. He entrusted Jesus, the word made flesh, into their care. He believed in them and he trusted them and he believes in you and he trusts in you. With, with the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you, you can complete, you can lay hold of, of every good plan that God has for your life. He believes in you and he trusts you to speak his love, to share his truth and be a light to the world around you. He believes in you. He trusts you. His power is at work in you and through you. Another important message that I think God wants to speak to us through this account is that we need to be ready for God to ask us to do something significant. We need to be ready, be prepared in our heart, in our mind, in our life for God to ask us to do something significant. Too often, I think we limit ourselves by the way, like we limit ourselves by what we just think we can do and not thinking about what God can do. We think about our power and we don't think about his power. It's really easy to just do what you've always done and be limited by your past experiences. Well, I've never done that before. So, I, you know, I've got this dream in my heart. I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to do this, but I don't know how to do it. I've never done that before. And so I'm just going to sit here in this little safe space. And I think sometimes we do that. But there are new things that God wants you to experience. But he's not going to make you do them. He's not going to come down here and twist your arm and say, all right, Logan, won't you do this? No. God's respecter of persons. He's going to make that invitation to you. He's even going to give you opportunities. And you might turn him down, but he'll give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But he's not going to make you. 
And so we have a personal responsibility to say yes to him, to his invitations. We have the, the power and the ability to rewire our old way of thinking and wire it according to God's way of thinking. We've got to learn how to use time and, and, and focus and solitude as tools to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when we hear him, we now then have the responsibility to trust him and then take steps of faith in obedience. Sometimes we focus on our inabilities instead of focusing on his abilities. I mean, have you ever felt like there's something that you wanted to do, something there was a desire that was almost like beyond yourself that was rising up on the inside of you, but then all of a sudden, all these excuses come flooding in and rushing in of why you can't do that thing. Why well, I just don't have the skills. I don't have the experience. I don't have the resources, the money or the time or the energy. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the whatever. But when God tells you to do something, when God tells Mary and Joseph, God tells you, he's going to equip you to do that thing and he's going to go in front of you. You might not have the skills. You might not have the resources. You might not have the knowledge to do what God wants you to do a year from now or five years from now. But you absolutely have everything that you need to be obedient to God today. To do something, to take that. He was like, well, I don't feel like this step of obedience is significant. Every time that we're walking in obedience to God, we're taking steps towards significance. You might think, well, this is just this little thing. But if it's what God told you to do, you're taking a step, a step towards significance. When you say yes to God, you're taking a step towards significance. Mary and Joseph, they were shocked when God showed up on the scene, when the angel showed up at the scene and told them what God was asking of them. But they were willing and they said yes to God. And out of their yes came something so significant that 2,000 years later, you and I are in a barn and we're celebrating it and we're remembering it and we are the legacy of Jesus because of Mary and Joseph said yes. Take heart, take courage to just say yes to God to do something significant. Christmas is possible because of these two teenagers that dared to say yes and step out and be obedient to God. And I believe there are tremendous things that God wants to do in our families, in our, at our job, at our workplaces, in our schools, in our city, and wherever we step foot on this earth because of the Mary and Josephs that are in this room that will say yes to the invitations that the Holy Spirit brings to them. There's a couple of questions I want to end with this morning before we transition into lighting the Christ candle. Would you just do this with me? Just go ahead and just close your eyes right now and tune in to the Holy Spirit. This first question is a question for yourself. And it's that, are there things in my life the Holy Spirit has asked me to do, but because I felt insufficient, because I felt like I didn't have the, the, the resources or the time or the, the skill or the knowledge or whatever it was, I didn't or I haven't taken a step of obedience yet. It's probably not a question that we have to contemplate very long because I think probably all of us know the answer to that. 
are there things? And the next couple of questions here are not for us, but they're for the Holy Spirit. And so first, just ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you help me see myself the way that you see me? Don't, God, I don't want to see my insufficiencies, but I want to see the way that you see me through the lens of Christ. Please help me see myself the way you see me. Next question is for Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Or what do you need me to adjust in my life to position myself for you to do something significant through my life? What are those steps? Remind me of what they are. God, if I, if I, if I have gone years and years and I've passed the things that you've called me to do, I wasn't obedient then. What are you calling me to do today? What can I do today to take a step towards significance? Making a difference with my life. Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are kind. We thank you that you are our comforter. That doesn't mean that we all just always live in comfort, God. You're the one that brings peace. And Holy Spirit, you guide us into all truth. So we receive the words that you speak to us now. These words of admonition, these words of taking courage, these words of vision, these words of life, these words of healing. God, that's what we want our foundation of our life to be on is your words. We thank you that when we hear you speak, that faith comes. We have faith to walk in obedience, to change this world. Jesus, we want to live out your legacy. 